All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number 16. Luke chapter number 16. We'll give you just a moment to find your place in the Word of God, and then we'll bring the message from the, the Word of God. Amen. Luke chapter number 16, and we'll begin reading in verse number 19. The Bible said there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And besides all this between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, God, as we bow in your presence, Lord, once again, as we come to the throne of grace and mercy in Jesus' name, Lord, we want to thank you for your goodness. We want to thank you, Lord, for your love that you've extended to us. God, I pray now that you'll take the word of God, speak to every heart. Lord, I pray the Holy Ghost will do that work that needs to be done, save the lost. And God, I pray you'll reclaim the backslid and those of us that are saved. God, would you give us a fresh burden for sinners that are lost and dying without God and going to hell. I pray now that the Holy Spirit of God would do that work. Be pleased with our worship now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach on this subject this morning on the doctrine of hell. The doctrine of hell. When you think about the word hell, it is found 54 times in the word of God. It's never viewed as a pleasant place. We know that hell is for the unsaved and those that do not know God. And here in our text, what we have is a real live account, a record that is given of a man that died without God and he went to hell. Notice in verse number one, the Bible said there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And what verse 19 tells us about this man is first of all that he was a real man. The Bible said there was a certain rich man. And that word certain indicates that this man is a real individual. We know when we look at the, book, uh, look at the passage of scripture here uh, that the Bible mentions names such as Lazarus and, and Abraham and so uh, we know that this is a literal story. And though we do not know this man's name, we know that he is real. We also know that he is rich. As the Bible said, there was a certain rich man. And I thought about riches in this life. So many times we look at people who have money and people have, who have materialistic things and, and there's nothing wrong with being blessed in life. There's nothing wrong with having good things in life. But isn't it amazing how that when we look at people who have lots of money and lots of material things, uh, we call them rich. Amen. 
But you know, there's riches that money cannot buy. And some people are so poor that all they have is just their money. I want to tell you, you may not have a lot of money down here. You may not have a lot of riches in the bank or a lot of materialistic things. But if you know Jesus Christ and you have the peace of the Holy Spirit in your heart, then you can thank God that you're saved. You're a rich individual. And we notice that this man was rich in the things of this world, but he was poor in the things of God. So he's a real man. He's a rich man according to this world. But then notice here that he's a refined man. The Bible said here that he was clothed in purple and fine linen. Now when you think about that uh, purple there, this man looked good to this world. That was a type of clothing that that was led or was uh, was uh, uh, wore by the the high priest, and it was a very costly garment. And so this man is uh, uh, he's wearing the best that the world had to offer. But I want to tell you the very best that the world had to offer will not get you into the kingdom of God. Amen. Here's a man that is very refined as far as the world is concerned. But if this man could stand in the presence of God, that purple, that fine linen would be nothing but filthy rags in the eyes of a thrice holy God. And so he's a refined man. And then he's a relaxed man. Notice the Bible said that he fared sumptuously every day. And that phrase, fared sumptuously, it means a type of merriment uh, that is known as feasting. And so in other words, here's a man that threw a party every day. He had the best that the world had to offer. He had plenty of money, plenty of materialistic things. And so he's just enjoying life, but he's enjoying it without God. You know, I don't think it's a sin to enjoy life, but we ought to not enjoy it without God. Amen? Because it'll just leave you empty every time. And the word of God says in verse number 20, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which laid at his gate full of sores. Notice the Bible said that he desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So they tell us that in Bible days that what the rich would do oftentimes is that as they sit around the table and they would eat, uh, uh, eat uh, bread, that oftentimes because they had so much money and to show their wealth that they would take bread, uh, big large pieces of bread, and they would wipe their fingers as they was eating food and they would throw those, that, those pieces of bread uh, down in the floor. It signified how rich they was. And the Bible says here that he desired to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. But look at verse number 21. The Bible says, or verse 22, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and he was buried. This rich man, he looked good in this world in verse 19. He loved this world in verse number 20. The Bible says here, verse 21, he had crumbs falling from his table. But when we get to verse number 23, we see what he lost in this world because he left left this world without God. He left this world without the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, what that means is he lost his finances. Uh, he lost his family, his five brethren that he talks about. He lost all of his uh, uh, friends. He lost uh, all that feasting that he was doing, all the fun living that he had. He lost his future because when you die without God, you don't have any future in eternity. And this man dies without God. And the Bible says in verse 23 that in hell, he lift up his 
his eyes uh, uh, being in torments. And I want to preach on that subject, on the doctrine of hell. This man had everything that you could gain in this world. But my friend, uh, they were gone in just a moment. Gone in just a, uh, just a breath. Gone in just a heartbeat. Hey, sinner, I want you to hear me this, this morning. Uh, listen, uh, you may be here and say, well, I'm young and, and I got my whole life ahead of me. Or you may be here and say, listen, I've got so many good things in this life. I don't have time to think about God. But do you realize the good things could be gone uh, in just one breath, just one heartbeat? Uh, I mean, in just one fleeting moment? Uh, listen, you could close your eyes and never open them again this side of eternity. And the real question is, uh, do you know that you're saved? Do you know that you're going to heaven when this life is over with? Do you know that? Have you been born again because here's a man? I'm sure that when he got up this morning, he had no idea he was going to die. Just like every other uh, person in this world, we don't know when death's gonna come. Hebrews 9 and verse 27 says, it's appointed a man once to die, and after this, the judgment. What we find in our text is that Lazarus dies. He's carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man dies. He wakes up in a Christless eternity in hell. In paradise on one side is, uh, is uh, Lazarus and on the other side is the rich man. Uh, neither one of them knowing when they were going to die but God has a divine appointment for every, uh, for every soul. And may I tell you, sinner, if you don't know God, you need to get ready. You need to get saved today. You need to get on your knees right now and call on God and ask God to save you because you don't know when you're going to leave this walk of life. And we that are saved, we need to be under a burden for our family, our friends, loved ones, people we know that don't know God because at any moment we could get that call that one of them, their life has been snuffed out and they've been taken out into eternity. And friend, we've got to win them while there's still time. Oh, listen, the Bible said that now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Friend, it's now or it's never. It's get saved today or it's die without God and go to hell and the rich man wakes up in hell I'm talking about the doctrine of hell friend because when you get to verse number 23 throughout the rest of this chapter here if we didn't have any other passage in all the word of God to tell us about hell and we do we have enough in this one passage to teach us about the doctrine of hell the Bible teaches here in verse number 23 about the place of hell. The Bible said that in hell he lift up his eyes. Notice the Bible did not say that he lifted up his eyes, but the Bible said that he lift up his eyes. What that means is, is that man right now is still lifting his eyes up in hell. It's not written in the past tense. Uh, and friend, if you die without God all throughout eternity before judgment comes in your life, uh, uh, you'll be lifting up. You'll be your eyes. You'll be looking up for some ray of hope. Uh, this man is lifting up his eyes right now. Uh, while you're listening to this message, uh, he's in hell and he's lifting up his eyes. Uh, and the Bible says here uh, that this man is in torments. Hell is a literal place. Uh, the Bible said that in hell he lift up his eyes. I want to ask you a question. Do you believe hell is a real place? Do you believe there's a literal hell? 
Do you believe that, that if you died without God and you didn't know the Lord, do you believe that you would go to hell? Because we talk to a lot of people nowadays. Uh, they say they believe in a hell, but they're not saved. And they're not concerned about doing anything about getting saved. And I want to tell you, if you're lost, uh, you need to do something about it today. You don't need to put it off. Amen. Proverbs 27 and verse number one says, uh, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. There's no promise of tomorrow. You don't have forever and a day to make your mind up where you're going to spend eternity free. You've got to come when the Holy Spirit puts you under conviction and deals with your heart and tells you now's the time to be saved. You've got to be willing to humble yourself, but you've got to believe there is a hell. Amen. I'm afraid that young people and, and this younger generation have seen so much on television. They've seen so much in video games. They, they've seen so much in any other places that they've come to a place that they think hell's a fairy tale. But it's not tonight, friend. This morning, I, I want to tell you that hell is a literal place. It's a literal place, friend. And the Bible talks about hell. It talks about that it's a place of darkness. Jesus said it's a place where there's weeping and wailing and, and there's gnashing of teeth. The Bible talks about the fire of hell in Mark chapter number 9 where the word of God said that it is a place uh, uh, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Uh, hell is a literal place. And, and so then we think about the doctrine of hell. We think about the place of hell. Where is hell? It's in the heart of the earth. The Bible teaches us that. Uh, listen, the word of God tells us that, that that's where hell is at. It's in the heart of the earth below our feet. Uh, uh, my friend, uh, in the center of this earth uh, is where hell is. Uh, and you, you think about around this world World, uh, when these volcanoes spew out this lava and they belch up all this fire and all this bent brimstone, you know where it's coming out of? It's coming not out of the center of the earth, just the center of the earth, uh, but it's coming out of the belly of hell. Uh, the Bible said in Isaiah chapter number nine that hell hath enlarged herself. Uh, and that's what's happening, friend. Uh, souls are dying without God and they're going to that place. It's called hell. And hell is making room. It's enlarging itself, making more room. And I want to tell you, if you don't know God, you need to get saved this morning. I see the place of hell concerning this doctrine of hell. And secondly, I also, I think about the pain of hell. Look at verse number 23. And in hell, he lift up his eyes. And the Bible says here, being in torments. These torments are eternal. These torments, uh, you cannot escape these torments if you die and go to hell. These torments are for everyone that goes to hell. It doesn't matter if a man is rich or poor. It doesn't matter if he's black or white. Hey, it doesn't matter if you're young or old. You may, you may be listening right now and say, well, uh, listen, I, I'm not old. I've got plenty of time. If you die, my friend, in your youth and you don't know God, you'll go to the same hell and you'll experience the same torments uh, that a drunkard or a murderer or anybody else. Uh, doesn't matter who, we, who you are. If you don't know God, uh, it's now or never you must be born again the Bible says or you'll experience the torments of hell the Bible tells about these torments that they're plural notice the word of God said in verse 23 being in torments the Bible tells us that there are many torments in hell the smoke of hell 
the darkness of hell that we mentioned, the worms of hell, the fire of hell, the gnashing, the, the biting of hell. Uh, there are the demons, the devils of hell. Uh, the, listen, our torments. Uh, uh, listen, the chains of hell. Uh, uh, listen, all that there is. Uh, I think the greatest torment of all is that it is a Christless eternity. It's a place where there's no God. That means it's hopeless. That means that once you go to hell, you'll feel that hopelessness like you've never felt it in all of your life, sinner friend. I'm talking about the, 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 the place of hell and the pain of hell. Notice it was plural, amen. Also, I, I see here that in verse number 24, the Bible said that he cried. And he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Notice this, for I'm tormented. There's that word again in this flame. He, he reminds us of the pain of hell. He's tormented in this flame. And then the Bible uses that word torment again in verse number 25. Notice he said in the latter part, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. All oh, the torments of hell. Verse number 28, notice it again. For I have five brethren, this is the rich man talking, that he may testify to them lest they also come into this place of torments. All throughout this passage here, when we think about the doctrine of hell, the Bible emphasizes the pain of those torments that's in hell. I'm amazed today at preachers that don't believe there's torments in hell. They don't believe there's pain in hell. Preachers have made statements that it's not a literal place and it's not a literal fire. You'd have a hard time convincing this man because he's a literal man who's in a literal place uh, uh, called hell, who's experiencing literal torments. Uh, he's crying out and over and over, he emphasizes that there is torments in hell. Oh, listen to me, lost person. You need to be born again today. You need to accept Jesus Christ today. You know why? Because of the torments of hell. When we think about the doctrine of hell, we must consider the place of hell and we must consider the pain of hell. Then I want to say thirdly, in verse number 24, we must consider the prayers of hell. Again, I read this verse as the Bible said that he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. Think about the prayer of this man. He's one of many who are crying out in hell. I see the sincerity of his prayer as he cried. There is no doubt there's no tears uh, coming from his face uh, because the flames of hell are licking his cheeks and licking his eyes uh, and the smoke uh, is in his face and, and the smothering and he cannot breathe. Uh, he's just smothering there. But amongst it all, he's crying out to the top of his lungs and, and screaming to the top of his lungs uh, as sincerely as he knows how uh, he is crying out to God. He is praying with all of his might. He's crying out to Abraham and he's calling out to him. And the Bible said here that he cries out for mercy. But there's no mercy in hell. You can pray all the prayers you want to on the other side if you die without God. But he'll not hear your prayer. I preached just the other day from Proverbs chapter 1 and God said in that passage of scripture of Proverbs chapter 1, I've stretched out my hand and you've refused. No man's regarded. I've called, but no man has answered. 
God said, I'll laugh when your calamity comes. I'll mock when your fear cometh as desolation and as a whirlwind. He said, because, he said, in that day, he said, I've reached out. He said, you'll call upon me, but God said, I'll not answer. Hey, this is a, this is a, a literal uh, illustration of Proverbs chapter one. Here's a man calling, but the answer is not coming. God is not answering this man. And I, friend, listen, there'll be no mercy on the other side. You better get saved while you can find mercy. You better get right with God while mercy's being extended. While, listen, the invitation is given, you better swallow your pride and humble yourself and say, dear God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen. This man waited too late to pray. Don't you wait too late to pray, friend. Hell is full of people that are offering up prayers that'll never be heard, that'll never be answered. He said he prayed for a witness. As he said, send Lazarus. He prayed for that in verse number 28, but he prayed for water in verse number 24. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormenting this flame. He prayed for that witness as we mentioned in verse 28, but both of those prayers were denied. This man didn't receive water and his brethren did not receive a witness because of his prayers. Friend, if you wait and reject God and go to hell, you can pray, you can cry, you can scream, you can, you can moan for a thousand years, but God will not hear you. You know why God will not hear sinners in hell? Because you had no time for him on earth. You didn't listen to him when he, when he called out to you here on earth. Why would, he, why would he hear you in eternity when you didn't hear him and take heed to his warning here on earth? I see here in, concerning the doctrine of hell, the prayers uh, uh, listen uh, here of this man the Bible talks about the place of hell the pain of hell the prayers that are in hell but look at verse 25 another thing concerning the doctrine of hell is the precious memories in hell you might say now preacher there's no precious memories in hell but I see it in verse 25 but Abraham said son remember what does he want this son of Abraham to remember Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. Here's a man that had received good things at the hand of God. James tells us that. As he tells us in James chapter 1, the Bible said that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, from whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God had been good to this man. God had blessed this man. He was a rich man, but he didn't obtain these riches by himself. It was the hand of God that had blessed this man. He could have looked up and he could have thanked God for these blessings. And the riches in life did not have to turn this man to self-sufficiency. It did not have to turn his heart away from God, but the riches of life could have turned him to God and caused him to recognize how good that God had been to him. But isn't it a tragedy and a shame that this man had to go to hell to find out how good God had been to him as Abraham reminded him that you received the good things in your lifetime and Lazarus received the evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. I'm telling you, friend, living it up down here on this earth is not worth dying and going to 
hell for. You may be listening and say, well now preacher, I'm enjoying my sin. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm too busy. I live the life that I'm living right now to even think about getting right with God. I'll tell you, friend, listen, you may be enjoying the pleasures of sin, but they're only for a season and that season's going to run out and that season may be running out on you right now. There's a lot of people that got up this morning and thought, you know what? It's just another day here on earth and I'm going to live it up and I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm too busy for God. I don't have no time for him right now only to find out that their life was snuffed out and they went out into eternity and died lost without God, friend. I'm telling you, if you don't know him, you need to think about the pleasures of this world are not worth trading your eternal soul for. Amen. You need to accept Jesus Christ. You need to get born again. The precious memories of a family, the precious memories of people at church that loved you and prayed for you, the precious memory of someone that cared enough to come by and witness to you, all the precious memories of an invitation. I often think about that when people sit through an invitation lost and they can't wait for it to get over with. They can't wait for the preacher to close that message out and be done with that sermon. But in hell, you know what they're going to remember? They're going to remember how sweet it was to stand there and hear the wooing of the Holy Ghost or, and feel the presence of God, hear his voice speaking to their soul. They're, they're going to remember how blessed they were to, uh, to just have an opportunity that someone uh, preached the gospel to them, that somebody, some saint of God came to where they was and, and said, come and be saved. Uh, it's going to be a precious memory in hell to know that you had an opportunity. It'll also be a torment at the same time uh, to know that you rejected that. I'm telling you, friend, the precious memory memories of this life uh, is the things that God gives you, not what the devil gives you. The sin that the devil offers you is nothing more than is nothing more than an obstacle to keep you from getting saved. He'll put something in front of your life that he'll tell you, oh listen, you don't want to get saved right now because if you get saved you're going to have to give this up. If you get saved, you're going to have to quit doing this. If you get saved, there goes all your fun time. There goes all your good living. I'm going to tell you, if you get saved, what's going to happen is uh, you're going to have peace in your heart. If you get saved, you're going to have joy in your life. Uh, if you get saved, you're going to be able to lay your head down at night and know that if you died, you don't have to go to hell. I'm telling you, friend, uh, think about it. The doctrine of hell tells us uh, that when sinners go there, one of the greatest torments uh, is all those precious memories of what could have been that never was uh, because they didn't get saved. Those precious memories on earth, those opportunities to come and accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, they're going to be gone forever, friend, because you put it off. Don't put it off. Don't put it off today. Oh, if you have a family member nearby, you ought to take them by the hand and say, will you pray with me? Will you help me get to God? I'm telling you, friend, don't die without Jesus Christ. Don't, don't trust your religion. Don't trust your heritage. Thank God for a godly heritage, but religion will send you to hell as quick as anything else in this world. Don't trust your mom and dad's salvation. You say, well, my mom and daddy's going to heaven. That's wonderful, but that's not going to get you into heaven. This is an individual thing. You've got to have more than a profession. You've got to have a possession. You've got to know that you're saved. And listen, you've got to know that that the Holy Ghost has dealt with your heart and you can be saved if you'll trust him, amen. Talking about the doctrine of hell, the place of hell, the pain of hell, the prayers, the precious memories 
But look with me in verse 26, the permanency of hell. The Bible teaches us that once a man dies without God and goes to hell, he can never come back. And besides all this between us and you, there's a great gulf fix. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. There's a separation. We know that whenever Jesus died on the cross that he led captivity captive, the Bible says. He, he cleaned out that paradise compartment of Hades and, and all those Old Testament saints. Uh, many of the saints, the Bible said, the body of the saints which slept arose on, on that resurrection morning, went into the city and appeared unto many. But we know that uh, Christ took them to heaven and he cleaned that compartment out. And we know that paradise is no longer in the heart of the earth. Uh, but now when a soul dies, uh, uh, they go into the, if they're saved, they go into the presence of Jesus Christ uh, and into the throne of God and and there they go to heaven and what a blessedness that is. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and that's the hope for those of us that's been redeemed but for those that have not been saved, listen, they still go to hell, amen? And they're in the jail of hells where they're at and they'll be there until that great judgment morning in Revelation chapter number 20 when the Bible said that death and hell deliver up the dead which are in them and they're gonna stand before God and the word of God said the books are open and another book is open which is the book alive and the dead were judged out those things that are written in the books according to their works and whosoever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hey friend you won't see hell for the last time on that great judgment morning because the Bible said that death and hell are going to be cast in the lake of fire and you're going to be cast in the lake of fire where death and hell are going to be if you don't know God and the Bible said this is the second death. Hey hear me well sinner. Hell is a permanent place and if you go to hell without God, you're going to go to hell for all eternity and you're going to spend eternity in hell and in the lake of fire. I beg you, listen, I feel a burden in my soul right now. If there's somebody listening and you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to junk your pride. You need to listen to junk your religion. You need to just humble yourself because hell is for real and it's for all eternity if you're not saved. Come to Christ. Accept Jesus I'm talking about the permanency of hell. We sing the old song where we hear the song oftentimes sung as a special, 10,000 years and we'll just be started. And we that are saved, we shout about that. It's about heaven, 10,000 years and we will have just begun. The battle is over. The victory's been won 10,000 years and it's just begun. That's a wonderful song because it's about heaven. Do you realize the same thing is true about hell? Center 10,000 years and you will have just started. 10,000 years and you will have just begun. 10,000 years and the battle for you will not be over. 10,000 years and there is no victory for you to win. 10,000 years in hell and you will have just begun. 10,000 years, 10 millennials and you will just begun in hell, the permanency of hell. And then I think about not only the permanency of hell, but what about the people of hell? The Bible says this. He said in verse 27, Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. 
And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You see, the Bible said in Romans 10 and verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Friend, you have to take this by faith. Trust the Bible. Trust the Word of God. The people that are in hell, this man that is in hell probably no doubt had a greater burden for his brothers that were going to hell than a lot of us that are saved today. I want to talk to you that are saved for just a moment. I want to ask you this question. Do you have a real burden for your family that's lost without God? When's the last time you shed tears for some family member? Maybe it's a brother. Maybe it's a sister. Maybe it's a mom or dad. Maybe it's a cousin, a niece, a nephew, an aunt, an uncle. I, I don't know, but when's the last time you did some personal work and went to their house and, and knocked on their door and said, with tears streaming down your face, and said, I, I just don't want to see you die without God. I just come to not talk to you about everything else, but I come to talk to you about your soul, your eternal destination. When's the last time you got a real burden and got on your knees? Uh, hey, that's where it starts at. You say, preacher, I confess to you, I don't have a burden for, for my family and friends like I ought to. Well, can I tell you, you're never going to get one until you get on your knees and start naming their name in prayer and weeping over their soul. That's where it starts at, is when you get on your knees and start crying out to God and begging God to save their soul. Then God will move your heart to, to do more, to put some legs on them prayers and, and go to where they're at. It'll give you the holy boldness and it'll give you the compassion that you need to witness. And then the Holy Ghost will season that witness with his touch and it'll have an influence on their life, amen. I think oftentimes the reason that we don't see people under conviction is because we're not burdened ourselves. We can give them the gospel and the gospel's powerful, but oftentimes God is, is trying to work it in our heart, we that are saved. This man, even though he's lost, he's burdened, he doesn't want his brethren to experience what he's going through. I want to say the people that are in hell, not one person in hell would want anybody to go there. No matter how mean and wicked they are, the fire and the torments of hell are so real that they sober the mind to a point that they realize how awful and tragic hell really is. I want to ask you, friend, do you know Christ? If you died right now, would you go to hell? If you died without, if you died right now in the shape that you're in, where would you spend eternity? Do you know Jesus Christ? Is your heart troubled about it? I understand that, that people can, 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 can sometimes have, have doubts, but, but I'm talking about if you're lost and, and you know that you're lost and if you're lost right now and you've heard this message on hell, I believe with all my heart the Holy Ghost is real enough to make it real to you where there's no question about that. And you'll know that I need to get saved. I need to get born again. Hey, friend, I just want to ask you, I'm not just preaching a sermon to be preaching a sermon but I feel such a burden in my soul right now. Do you know that you know that you know if you died without God, where are you going to spend eternity? Uh, would you get on your knees right now and just unashamedly start calling on God and tell God you know that you're lost. Admit to God that you're a sinner. Admit to God that, that you don't want to go to hell. Cry out for his mercy and trust his son to save you. Do you believe with all your heart that Jesus 
died on the cross for your sins and that he died for you personally and that what he did at Calvary is enough and that Calvary alone will save your soul. I'm telling you, if you believe that Jesus died for you and that he loves you and that he'll save you, if you'll trust him today, what he did on the cross, if you'll trust him, if you'll ask him and trust him, he'll save you. He'll save you. How about it, child of God? Maybe you need to get on your knees right now and cry out to him and say, Oh God, it's been a long time since I really got broken and burdened over somebody going to hell. It's been a long time since a tear filled my eye over somebody. Maybe it's somebody you work with. It'd be awful to sit in a cubicle next to somebody for years and never be a witness to them. Never be a witness to them. Them die without God and go to hell. Face them at the great white throne judgment. We that are saved standing there witnessing that event and them look over at you and say, why? Why didn't you tell me about God? You sit in that cubicle next to me. You worked in that factory line next to me. Oh, I knew you went to church, but why didn't you get serious about my soul? Why, why, didn't, you just, why didn't you just care enough about my soul and care more about my soul than my feelings? Uh, why did you care more about your own pride and, and what someone might say or what someone might think? Uh, why did you care more about your job than you did my soul and me going to hell and now there's no hope? Uh, I'm here to tell you, friend, in eternity, it won't matter about the dollar. It won't matter about our pride. It's not going to matter what people's going to think about us. I'm telling you, think about embarrassment now. What about the embarrassment then, child of God, when we witness those souls, those people that we knew that we could have won and their blood has already dripped from our hands at the judgment seat and we know that they're dying without God and there's no hope, friend. What about it? How about it this, this morning? I beg you, I ask you right now the best way I know how. Child of God, would you get under a burden? Would you get broken? Would you get on your knees right now and cry out to God? I, I don't think we're going to see people saved like we used to see them get saved until we get serious about it. The Bible said, they that sow in tears, Psalms 126 and verse 5, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he that goeth forth Weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Sinner, I beg you, if you're lost right now, would you be saved? I want you to know that if, while you're listening to this sermon, I want you to know that I'm praying that God will save your soul right now where you're at, that God will deliver you if you'll only be honest about it. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you'll take this message. I didn't want to just preach a sermon and I don't want to just get through a Sunday. But oh God, I know there's feeble things that I may have, Lord, I may have stumbled over words. But I pray the Holy Ghost will take this message. Crush the heart of every sinner. Put them under deep Holy Ghost conviction right now. God, may they fall out on their face and get saved. Lord, I pray, save them today before it's too late. And dear God, I pray for we that are saved, God, that you'd shatter our hearts, break our stubborn will, oh God, and let us get on our knees and get broken over somebody that needs to be saved. Help us not to be complacent. 
Help us not to be so self-centered and wrapped up in our own life that we've lost our burden and don't even care about people dying without God. God, let us see someone that we love, someone that we know. Help us to see them in the flames of hell right now. Lord, give us a burden for them. May we weep over their soul now. Father, I pray use this message as only you can, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.